more points online. We are honored that you're joining us today. And if God is using this ministry to change your life, please let us know at fourpoints.org slash my story. It's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. And if you would like to give and be a part of what God is doing, then visit fourpoints.org and select the safe and secure option, or you can download our app and choose to get there as well. We are so excited to hear a powerful message from God's word today. Today is a message that I'm excited about because it's a topic that I know some about. Some weeks I feel inadequate, like next week, for example, because next week is ladies week. And I do not know a lot about you, <laughs> even though I have lived with one. Well, my whole life, because I lived with three when I was at the Pangle household, and then I've lived with you for 16 and a half years, and it's been amazing for about 14 of those. And so, <laughs> some of y'all will get it later, but I'm not kidding. But um, first two and a half were rough. Anyway, keep going. That's nothing to do with this message. But today, I do know what it's like to be a man. Everybody say, man week. All right, so if y'all don't want to participate, it's going to hurt my feelings a little bit, but I'll get over it. But I need y'all to make a, a sound because it's important. I need everybody to say, ugh. Come on, let's get, it's got to be deep. Ugh. Because there's some things that y'all need to know about men that if you're part of the, oh, the single ladies, and like you're part of the other stuff, y'all don't know what that is, but it's good. Beyonce's old now, so y'all don't remember, but like, um, but some of y'all might not know this about the way that we think, but we didn't ask to think this way, okay? Dudes, I need some feedback from y'all because I'm telling the truth. Every man, whether we want to or not, believes that we can do it, okay? We think we can. I don't know why this is the case. I think it's ridiculous because there are some things that we can't do. Now, there are certain things that we look at and go, I can't do that. Like, I'll give you some for instance. When I watch the Olympics, I don't look at the ski jump and think, I want to do that. I think that's ridiculous. Why would you do that, right? Because they're jumping through the air and they do the <laughs> But kind of part of me thinks, if they just put some pillows down, maybe I could pull that off, right? Or, or, or it'd be good. But then, like, in, in my men's group that hangs out, we, we really believe we can do some of these things. Like, I didn't watch a lot of the Olympics, but we happen to have it on. And the sledding part is going, right? So we watch some things, we're like, dumb. Ice skating. I'm not saying y'all got to think it's dumb. Y'all can love it. I'm not mad at you. This isn't sexism. I just am like, we flip and turn the channel. But if the sledding's on, dudes are going 90. And the ladies, y'all are rolling. But 90, listen to me, 90 miles an hour in a sled. And at least the bobsleds have like some walls. But the skeleton, it's called skeleton, everybody. Come on. You're going to break your skeleton, right? That's what it means. Just kidding. I don't know what it means. And then delusion, they lay on it one side and they're face forward and head first, die, whatever. And like, I'm serious. In our conversations with men, I can do that. <laughs> Be real. Guys, we think to ourselves somehow, some way, oh, I can do that. Even if there's no chance. Like 80s called the speed that kills. In a car with a seatbelt on. Oh, I could sled on ice going 90. I really do think I could bobsled. I'd try that. Just telling y'all. But then the other one that was going through my mind 
Because we just, I'm proud of the U.S. We won gold in this for the first time ever. Some of y'all have never seen it before, but I'm pretty sure I could do the curling. <laughs> have y'all seen it? Because I think I want to be the dude that throws it because I think the pose is fascinating because you take like three steps, you're on ice, but they got this pose down. And so if y'all don't know what curling is, I, I don't know. But it's, it's the rock thing that slides, right? It's like shuffleboard meets bocce ball or something. It's weird. But like you take it and then they let the curling thing go, but then they slide for like 10 feet. So young people, shoo, and they got the pose down. You got this rock, y'all. This is a for real sport and you got to get it something. I don't even know how you win, but I know we won and I'm excited. But like, this is the other thing is if I couldn't do the rolling thing, I'd be cool with the sweeping thing, right? Have y'all seen it? <laughs> and, they're, and they're making sure they get it fast enough. And you look and go, this is a real sport. And then I think to myself, we could win this. And that's the only way you can get a man to sweep, so maybe that's a good thing, right? Some ladies should say amen. But there's other stuff. Like, this is just what it's like to be a man. So at, at our group, we, we go over to our friend Zach's house, right? And he's got a garage. It's a man room. It's a big, he's got a projector on the wall. We watch football. We watch other stuff. And typically, it's pretty sane over there. But every once in a while, someone will do something. Like last week, we started chopping wood. A man cannot chop wood like a normal person would chop wood if he's around other men. We have to see if we can do it in one blow. I'm serious. Come on, y'all better talk to me. Because if somebody goes, bam, and breaks it, oh, I can do that. I got that. And then you give other people a hard time, and then they never do it like Travis, and then you don't know what's happening. So, was that out loud? A couple weeks ago, I'm, this, I'm not making this up, and y'all don't judge us, just maybe a little bit. But he's got a BB gun. That's, it's just a BB gun. It's not going to hurt you too bad. But there was this, there's a string hanging down with a little ball on it, you know, like for an attic. And someone hit it with a BB. Well, then you got to do it or you're not a, ladies, I'm just letting y'all in. Because y'all would look and say, that's silly. And we look and say, oh, I can do that. Ka-ting! And then as soon as you hit it, you puff your chest. I don't even, we don't ask for this. This is in us. Oh, I got that. Got that. But this is all real life. I'm not making any of this up. <laughs> I wish I would. I kind of wish this was not true. Like, my friends joke with me sometimes, if we, if we got something that we can't accomplish, then we can just tell Mark he can't do it, and well, he'll figure out a way, because, like, I don't like to be told I can't. But this, I need y'all to know this isn't a personality thing. You don't have to have a big, eccentric personality. You can be a quiet man, but if you are told you can't, a man wants to, a man wants to make it happen, because this is what every man wants to know. Like, this is, this is what every little boy asks themselves, y'all. Whether you'll admit this or not, every boy asks, am I man enough? Here's what that means. This is psychological. This is scientific study. You don't have to believe the Bible to know that this is true. Every boy needs from their father to know, I love you and I'm proud of you, without exception. So if a boy has grown up having never heard, I love you and I'm proud of you, watch this, from their daddy, because if they hear it from their mama, I, I don't understand why this is true, but it's just true. If they hear it from their mama, well, that's what mom's supposed to say. But if they hear it from their daddy, something shifts. And there's something else that a little girl's supposed to hear, but I'm going to tell, tell you about that next week. 
It all encompasses love, but ultimately we need to know, are you proud of me? What makes a man? What makes a man? Why are men that way? That's crazy, right? I mean, it's kind of weird, and we can have fun with it, but why are men that way? Here's what's fascinating. I believe if you want to know principles in the Bible, you've got to find the first place that something is written. That's when you can start a principle. And, and whenever we find out what it looks like to be a man, we should start with the first man. We should find out the instruction that God gave him, how he called him to walk, how he screwed it up, and how Jesus came to fix that. He didn't just come to fix it. He came to restore order for what it was supposed to be. That's the, that's the whole point. The Bible's really about two men, Adam and, and, and Jesus, the second Adam. And so the first Adam's where we can find what was it supposed to look like and how do we, watch this, not how did we, how do we every day misunderstand what it's like to be a man. This is why, ladies, this is so important to you. Because this is about men and manhood, but you got to know this before you go find your man because if you don't know this, you'll find the wrong man. Because this is about what it means to be God's man. This is how, how he gave us some exact examples of what it looks like. And it's so simple, y'all. It's three verses. But in Genesis 2, God had breathed into the dust of the ground. His life had made man, Genesis 2.8. And then he gave instruction of what the garden was to look like in 9 and the river in 10. And then you flip down in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. It says, the Lord God took the man. Everybody say, the man. Does it say the Lord God took the man and the woman? No. You're allowed to say no. Does it, does it say that he took the man and the woman? No. no, because the woman wasn't even around yet. She was about to be birthed or made from, from the rib of God or from the rib of Adam, but not at this time. And, and, and God took the man into the garden. So he was with him and he took him into the garden and said, work it and keep it. So the first instruction that God gave him to do is, I want you to work it, I want you to keep it. That word actually translates to cultivate it, to garden it. This is important, and i got to hit it real quick. The word garden it, the word cultivate it, is like what happens with our heart. When our heart is, is, is hardened, it, it means that we have closed the door on the heart. The Bible says that this is what we should guard above all else in Proverbs because out of it is, is where the life flows. This is where life happens. This is where the seed has to be able to hit. And my role is to cultivate that, but not just in me. I'm going to show you that in a second. It says, and the Lord commanded the man, saying, you may surely eat of every single tree of the garden. So notice God did not command the man and the woman. God commanded the, the man. He said, you can eat all this. I did something crazy just now. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Please pay attention to this. It does not say the day that y'all eat of it or the day that she eats of it. It says the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. It is not good that the man, now this is important. This implies this man, not every man. So I need y'all to get this. This is huge when I give you these five principles in a second. The Bible is not saying it's not good for every man. The Bible is saying it's, it's good when this man isn't alone, but he's got a helper. And so in order to understand why we have the chaos that we have in this world, we have to understand how manhood has been forgotten because we think it's something that it's not. Manhood is not if I can hit a BB against a, a thing that hangs down. That does not make me a man. That just makes me ridiculous, but it's fine. 
But what makes me a man is what God says about me that I'm supposed to be. And if we could understand these things, we could begin to walk into our purpose in Christ Jesus. That is the problem in this world. Y'all, I'm just telling you, the problem in the world, the problem in the world is a lack of fatherhood. We have a void of fathers. I heard this statistic a week and a half ago. If a woman leads her family in devotions and prayer every night, if a woman leads her family in devotions and prayer every night, I'm not making this up, there's an 11% chance they'll follow Jesus. If a man does, there's more than a 90% chance they will follow after him. Why? Because it's my job to do this. And some of y'all feel this thing rise up in you, well, that's not fair. This isn't about fair. This is about what God said we're to be. So I want to give you all these simple things, five keys to manhood. And guys, this is free. I know that we got it, right? Because I can see it in our faces and I'm with you so many times. I don't need to take notes. I'm asking you to take notes, to remember this. You can write them on your phone, whatever you want to do, because you won't got it. You'll forget. As soon as you walk out, you'll forget. But this is what Genesis 2 actually just told us, five keys to manhood. Number one is the presence of God. Everybody say the presence. A man that does not walk with God, no matter these next four, has immediately walked out of the possibility of walking into his purpose in Christ Jesus. It is impossible, watch this, for a man to be the man that God said it's not good for him to be alone if he doesn't walk in the presence of God every day. So it's good for that man to be alone, ladies, and he shouldn't be the one that we go look for. Because when we look for every man and not God's man, we find ourselves in trouble. So what is God's presence? God's presence is not this cloud that hangs over your head. God's presence is not a 10-hour quiet time. God's presence is not that you have to pray in this weird way for, for 10 hours a day and that when people walk up to you, shun them and say, I'm in prayer, please do not bother me. It's a realization, watch this, of who God is in my life. And it's, and it's giving him authority over me. It's yielding all of me to him. The Bible says over and over, and it's so fascinating that he was with Adam in the garden. That Adam didn't have to go, God, where are you? But it, when sin happened, he hid from his presence. In Genesis 3, it said that he hid because he heard the sound of him in the garden. Y'all, we don't live in the Garden of Eden. We live in the upstate of South Carolina. But the presence of God is everywhere at all times, and if you're a follower of Jesus, he is actually in you. But whenever sin starts raising up, guys, in our homes, we hide from the presence of God whether we want to or not. This is, this is scientific. This is, you don't even have to believe the Bible. When we get deep into sexual sin, the actual idea of God, or for that matter, anything else, doesn't exist anymore. If you want to take a, a man's mind off of anything, get a man's mind on sex. And whenever I'm not walking in the presence because I'm having to hide because of what I'm doing, then I, I'm full of shame. And oftentimes if a man's full of shame, it's not even that he's going to look for sin, it's that he doesn't think anybody's proud of him. And he hates himself. And then Genesis 2, verse 15, spells out the clear things that we do next. we got to have a purpose. Everybody say purpose. 
If a man does not have a purpose in life, which means I'm in his presence and he showed me what to do next. That's what work means. I'm not, I'm not literally talking about the specific job that you have. I'm talking about the responsibility that you're to walk into. A calling on your life. Every single man needs this kind of purpose. That's why you see a lot of men, when they retire, they drive their wives crazy, y'all. Because they're out, what are they doing? Nobody knows. They're out working. At least what I've witnessed, my grandfather, till the day that he passed, was out chopping wood, was out doing something. This did not make him bad. He needed a purpose. He needed this kind of purpose. God said, I'm putting you in this garden to work it first. And we, this is our world that we live in. But listen to me. Your family is your first responsibility. You're not called just to sit on the sidelines, men. Listen, God's purpose for your life is to lead. The reason that he made man was lead. We have made it very difficult because we think lead means yell. We think lead means I'm bigger than you. This is not rocket science, everybody. A man is naturally more muscular, bigger than a female. I hope y'all can agree with that because that's not like politically incorrect even. That does not mean that I'm supposed to yell or hit or ever be physical at all. It means that my responsibility is to work with my wife. Now watch. Then I'm to cultivate it because it's not just that you work it, it's you cultivate it. And that's where the heart comes in. That's where, listen, this is huge. This is so important. Because he didn't just want them to name all the things and he didn't just want them to dig in the ground. He wanted them to know what he was digging for. The word cultivate in the Bible literally is, is a translation of I'm to promote. I, th listen, this is tough, but she is not the one that's supposed to promote me. And I'm not talking about like Don King is a promoter promote. I'm talking about to lift up. It is my responsibility with Haston. In my family, it's Haston and Laney. And Leah, I am the one. I am responsible as the leader of my home, just like Christ is the head of the church. It is my responsibility to cultivate, to turn, to look at, and not push down. This one in particular challenged me because Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 says, Fathers... Do not provoke your children to anger. And the message version says, but take them by the hand and show them how to do it. Isn't that fascinating? Here's the problem we have in manhood. Just, just being real with y'all. I don't like what I'm about to say, but I'm, but I'm going to be real with y'all. What I want to do in my life, naturally speaking, is let A, her handle it, because that's what happens in the fall, in the curse. We step out of our purpose and step into passive nature. You might think, well, no, I'm loud. I come when she calls me. That's passive. Why did she have to call you? <laughs> I'm talking to myself. Obviously, nobody else in here is with me. Number two, if I'm actually to cultivate like I'm supposed to, I have to realize what I'm cultivating, what I'm working on. Because, y'all, I love y'all. I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so honored that I get to be a pastor. But being the pastor of my home is the number one responsibility over this house. And to model for you that you can be the pastor of your house, men. 
whether you're a single man, whether you're a teenager, or whether you're a mature adult that has grandchildren by now, you can be and are supposed to be the pastor of your home. That is why fatherlessness, because it's a lack of pastors. And I'm not talking about people that get an ordination, get a badge, and get to stand up with a microphone. I'm talking about men of God that stand up and say, this is my calling in life to lead in this way. Not with an iron fist, not yelling at my kids, because here's the reality. This is what I've done in the past many times. We get hangry. Ladies, if you want a man to do something, just feed him. Come on, somebody. But we get hangry. We get frustrated. We're tired at work. We just sit on the couch. We don't want anybody to talk to us. This is human nature. This is what all of us do. And then our kids come in and act in a fool, going crazy like all kids do, like we show enough did if we could remember us at that age. Come on. And we look at them, and this is what we do, y'all. I wish you'd just shut up. My gosh. In that moment, what I just told my kids is, Laney, you're not what I'm supposed to pour into you that I'll talk about next week. And Haston, I'm not proud of you, and I don't love you. Can I just tell you what is the enemy of cultivation? What happens is I make my kids reach a certain standard so that I'm proud of them. So Haston gets these color charts in behavior at his school. And he'll come home and he'll say every day, I got a, and the best color's a pink and the worst color's like a red. And it goes pink, purple, blue, green, yellow, red. And he's wired to believe that I'm proud of him if he gets pink. And every day I have to reinforce the fact that it's not pink. It's doing his very best that I care about. And if that's blue today or if that's green today, I'm cool with it, bud. I know you're doing your very best. That's what I'm asking you to do. But he believes that for me to be proud of him, it's not about this. I'll yell at him if he does bad. Yelling is lazy and yelling is passive. It's passive aggressive. But it's the nature of do as I say, not do as I do. To be God's man, I've got to be a cultivator of my home. And it's so important. And I'm going to show you why even deeper in just a minute. The next one is protector. I am the order, listen to this, of my home. Guys, I'm not throwing shade on us because it's going to be really good at the end, I promise. But here's the truth. And y'all can love me or hate me in this moment. If there's disorder in your home, it's the man. Let me say that again so the people in the back can hear me. If there's disorder in your home, it falls on me. You say, well, your wife is losing her mind. Your kids are going off the deep end. All kids act crazy. How's that your fault? You're working hard. The Bible says that my responsibility is to work it, to cultivate it, and then to guard over it. And the moment that I decide order doesn't come from God, by the way, he's a God of order. This is who you get to decide which father you're listening to, like John 8 says. Jesus looked at the, the Pharisees and said, well, you're listening to the devil. He's the father of lies, John 8, 36. But my, or John 8, 44, my father, 8, 36, speaks all truth. The Bible says that God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And if there's not peace in my home, that does not mean conflict will not come. Y'all listen to this. It means that if there's disorder in my home constantly, it is because I've decided not to be a man the way God says to be a man. I've decided to look at the disorder and think that I can yell it out of them, think that I can spank it out of them. And I'm not against punishment, but I'm against punishment with anger in my heart because I show them the way not to do it the minute that I get mad at them 
Can't take a minute, take a faculty and take a, a decision of where I am in the Lord. Ask myself, has the presence of God exited because of my anger? And dealt with me before I ever even think about dealing with my kids and my wife. Can anybody agree with me? I know, I know it's tension filled in here. It's about to get real good. But can anybody agree with me in here that this is an issue that we don't see this a whole lot in our world and in our country? And so whenever we throw shade on the whole world and say shame on you, we might should look inwardly. Because this is the last one. The word. And I want y'all to make sure that you hear what I'm saying. Because I'm not saying the Bible isn't the Word. The Bible is the Word of God. It's alive and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. But I think there's a lot of people that read the Bible every single day and live actually opposite of according to what some of these principles that I'm talking about today and just everything that it says is about. I'm not suggesting that if you don't read the Bible every single morning that you're done. What I'm suggesting is God's word, his promises, that we believe what it says. How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to his word? His, his word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. And instead of just being able to quote it even, I actually begin to believe this, that the word of God, the promises of God, and that, that his presence in my life become my guardrails, that I'm not going on either side of these two things. And that if I do, I will be the protector of my home. There will be order in my home. Why? Because he's a God of order, and I can't step over the boundary that he created. That I will have purpose because he gives me my purpose in Christ Jesus. That I will be a promoter of the people in my life, not of myself. I don't have to self-promote. God will put me on every platform, and I mean not literally, wherever he wants me to be, that I can look at you and say, I need you to know Jesus because if you do, oh my goodness. And it begins to cultivate in my life. But the minute that I am childish in my thoughts and I think, well, you're not doing for me what I need you to do. Bless God, if you'd submit, I bet you I'd be the man of God I'm supposed to be. Come on, I know that's just me. But I've said it before. I mean, I've thrown Ephesians 5 in her face. Here's the problem with that. I don't know what I just did, but that was pretty awesome. And now I'm not sure I can do it again. Okie dokie. What in the world? T, we got it. Here's the problem with throw and submit, as Ephesians 5 says. Right after it says that, in verses 22 through 24, it says, Husbands, now it's your turn. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Whew. Principle one, tied in with what Genesis says. I am to love this lady. Young ladies that aren't married, let me talk to you for a second. Young ladies that aren't married, let me talk to you for a second. What man should I be looking for? Those five things. And then for a man that will love you as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Which means I lay my life down. For my wife first, above my children, listen to me, people that let their kids run their household, she is responsibility number one. It is wrong if we put our kids above our spouses. It is wrong. Here's what we model for our kids. Whenever you get married, you put them, you put your children above your spouse. And it's a cycle. We can all see it in our lives, right? He says, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her meaning purify her constantly, having cleansed her with, by the washing of water 
with the word. Translation that every word that comes out of my mouth is sanctifying my wife who's right here. That when I speak down to her out of anger or because I'm the lead, God called me in the presence of him. I'm supposed to be the man, so you better submit to me. Whenever I point out all that she's doing wrong, and I believe it's my responsibility, which y'all I have done in my life. And I don't think, what does she need? Or, as is the case many times, even when I do something for her, because y'all know this about a man, <laughs> I need like, I need like a parade whenever I clean the house, right? <laughs> we need like, we need palm branches shouting Hosanna because daddy's home. Come on, somebody. But instead of needing something or trying to figure out what it's going to look like because I'm such a reasoning being, I just try to cleanse her. By the way, I can, I can identify when she's struggling because I, this is my people. I become one flesh with her. And I know her. She can look at me and say, nothing's wrong for reals. And instead of trying to push on her, I just take something off of her. That's what, listen, it changes everything. And things typically end well. Come on, somebody. All right. <laughs> Moving on. But that's not even the point. The point is, I've been asking myself this question. The word cleanses me. It washes me whiter than snow is what the Bible says. I wonder how many times I've looked at my wife, and by the way, what falls under them is my children. If you don't have kids, that's cool. If you're not married, that's cool. This is for every man to understand what we're called to be. Every time that I speak down on them, and then here's the deal. As a pastor, every time I speak down on you, because there's authority in this position in, in Christ. Every time I look at you and say, well, they're not doing that, what they're supposed to do, I miss the point. Here's something crazy. It's not your responsibility to get me where I'm supposed to be going. It's my responsibility to identify with our leaders, identify who you are in Christ and begin to cultivate it and pull it out of you. And if you don't understand that, you'll think that I should be lifted up. And the truth is I shouldn't. I'm just a dude. I'm just Mark. But we got it jacked up in our society, y'all. People fall hard because they lift them in a pedestal that they were never supposed to be lifted on. The man is supposed to lead, but not with an iron fist. So I'm to cleanse with the washing of the word. Watch this. This is unbelievable. So that I might present him, her like Jesus presented the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she, everybody say she, she. might be holy and without blemish. Like I don't know if this challenges y'all, but I feel this heaviness that comes up in my life because I realize this. Guys, I'm going to step all the way in right now. I don't care what she does. And listen, I'm not saying like, for instance, I'm not saying adultery's right. It's awful. But it's not my job to air the dirty laundry. Start throwing shade on her. And I'm not saying that everyone should stay with everyone. That's not what this is about at all. But what I am saying is this. It ain't over till God says it's over. And if there's an opportunity for covering, here's the whole point. I am to be the covering of my home as Christ is the covering over me. Certainly Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, but he calls me as a man to model what he is in me. And if all I say to my kids is Jesus is Lord, and then I walk out and I say, screw y'all, y'all aren't trying hard enough. 
what I'm telling them by my actions is that's what God thinks about you. Now, anytime I mess up, I love it. I don't love messing up, but I love the opportunity to say, you know, the truth is only our heavenly father is without sin. And I apologize. And I try to model even how we apologize and how we're going to change. And y'all, I do that every week. I mean, without fail. I'll say something stupid. This is not about perfection. You ain't going to do it. But this is about understanding who I'm called to be, that I wash them by the water of my words, that no matter how bad my kids screw up, I want them to be able to come to a safe place that we can model for them our father's way and they can understand their father's way and she can understand that I'm not trying to lord over her. We have a lord. We only need one of those. Now I get to be the man that God called me to be and a model example for what she needs in her life. This has nothing to do with can a woman lead in this world. This has everything to do with in my home, this is what my calling is. And young men, this is what you're called to be before you ever think about a bride. Before you ever think about dating anybody, I believe you should begin to believe this. Because you're not marriable until you're this man. I'm going to argue something with y'all right now. I'm going to mess with y'all's theology, your belief about God. This is going to trip with you, but this is what I believe. This is how important I believe the covering of a man of God is supposed to be. What God showed me this week is that the fall and sin did not come through Eve. That certainly the serpent went to her, but I can show you why the serpent went to her. God did not instruct the wife. It was, it was the husband, it was the Adam, it was the man's job to cover his wife to lift his wife up and to say, this is why we're not going to do it. And when he steps back and is passive and said, do whatever you want to do, it's no big deal. The serpent comes to Eve. Eve hears the temptation without having heard from God, and she takes the fruit. With every fiber in my being, I'm convinced that the fall didn't happen then. Here's why. God did not come right then. God did not show up on the scene until the man took the fruit. Watch this. Then Eve says to Adam, he's got an opportunity to do what we were built to do. He's got an opportunity to lead, to lead. Not say shame on you, but to say God called us to be different. God called us not to do. He literally said don't. And in that moment, he could have said no. I will cover for you. I will cover over you. What you did wasn't right. That has nothing to do with being right. But what you did was not, not follow his instruction, but you missed what God told me, and I did not let it funnel through. I did not cultivate correctly. I take responsibility. I will be your covering, and I will go to God on your behalf, and I will say, it is my responsibility. This happened, but I choose to still follow you. I am convinced that in that moment, he would have been covered by the one that could cover it. But since he didn't do it, I'm about to preach. <clears throat> My mind is just so full of what the message is. I've heard all week of Billy Graham. I didn't know the man, but he preached such a simple message. It's the cross. It's the cross of Christ. It's the cross of Christ. Here's why I have hope. Because it's not a human alone that I can hide behind, but he was fully man and also fully God that came and lived a sinless life that said this, to the bride of Christ, I'll be your covering. And instead of doing nothing, <clears throat> y'all, how many times did Jesus have to look at his bride and say, what is wrong with y'all? 
How many times did Jesus have to look at us and say, y'all are, y'all are pitiful. But he stood on a cross, nailed in and said, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. That's what it looks like, men, to model the covering. That's what my calling is. It's not to be Jesus, but to model my life after him. And when the first Adam failed to do it for his bride, the second Adam came and said, I'll do it for my bride. And the reason I can step into my purpose in Christ Jesus is because he did it for us. Adam walked straight out of his purpose. The moment he said, I won't lead and I'll be passive. And then the blame game started like we talked about last week. And he said, well, you gave her to me and she did it. Man, this is what it looks like to step up and be a man. Because I've offended a few people in conversations recently by saying that is childish. There's a huge difference between childlike faith and childish. Listen to me. Childlike is to come to Jesus and say, I don't know what it looks like, but I'll trust you. Just like a little kid would do. Childish is pitching a fit, pouting, not understanding why you're not getting your way. We are a bunch of men that look like men, but we act childish because we blame it on everybody else instead of stepping up and becoming a man. But this is one of the most powerful passages in Scripture. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, which by the way is the love chapter, when I was a child, I spoke. Everybody say spoke. Like a child, I thought. Say thought. Like a child, I reasoned. Like a child, but when I became a man, I gave up those things, those childish things. I walked away from my childish ways. Thinking and reasoning are the same except different in that we only think with our outside and only think with our emotional side in, in thought. Reason is what we know reason is. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm pondering it. I'm, 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 I'm trying to figure all this out. I'm trying to figure God out. He doesn't want you to figure him out. He wants you to listen to his word, sit on it, and then go when he says go. And the moment that I try to figure all of you out, the moment I try to figure out purpose, the moment I try to figure out how to cultivate it, the moment I try to figure out how to protect them, I become a hoarder, hoarding over them, rather than a lover of their souls and the covering as he covers me. And the only way to become the man that God called you to be, men, and to fall under him is to recognize what he's done for us. That as bad as we screw it up every day, He who knew no sin became sin so that we could stand in his righteousness. God demonstrated, that's what the world needs, demonstrated his love for us that while I was still a sinner, he died for us. And the only way to stand and be a man and walk away from being childish is to understand the love of God and receive it for yourself because I believe this is the problem with every man, guys. I believe every man down deep in their soul looks at ladies and say, y'all are emotional, but down deep, we believe we're not quite good enough. We'll never amount to enough. We'll never be quite what they are. Even though we believe we can do it and it's funny, we think maybe they're not proud of us. And I'm just here to tell you that may be true. The people in your life may feel that way about you, but there's one that doesn't. There's one that doesn't. Here's how much he thought of you. Our heavenly father sent his only son to take your place so that you could step into your place in him. 
But before you can ever do that, you got to call him Lord. You got to say, you're the one I'm not. No longer is it about me. It's about you. And I will stand in my place of leadership because you called me to be those things. I'll fall every day, but when I fall, you're there to pick me up. I call you Lord. I know you forgave me of my sin. The moment that I say I confess them, they're real. And today I call on Jesus to save me right here and right now. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? I believe there's men and women in this room that need to call on their heavenly father through Jesus Christ to save them, to stand up, to be the man of God and the woman of God that he called you to be. And I just want to know in this room, is there anybody that would say, I'm ready, I'm tired of running. He covers my sin. He stands in the gap. He stands in the way and says, no longer do we have to live under a curse, but we can walk into new life. We can go out from death and walk into life. Today, I choose to be a follower of Jesus. If that's you in this room, I just want you to throw your hand up wherever you are. Come on. No denying it. I'm ready to do this right here, right now. I believe there's people all over this room that could say yes to Jesus right now. If that's you, I just want to give you an opportunity to say that's me. Come on. Throw your hand up and say, I'm ready. I will follow Jesus. I will follow Jesus. I will follow Jesus. I'm ready to follow him. I'm ready to make him Lord. I need to know in this room, I'm not going to ask you to stand, but I want to know if there's any guys, you can just look up at me. I want to know if there's any guys that are ready to say, my responsibility is huge because to be the covering of my home, to let things funnel through me, that doesn't mean your wife can't get a word from God. It doesn't mean that, that she can't love like crazy, that she's not a big personality simply means that God called me to be the leader of my home through humility and service. I'm ready to be that man. I'm ready to be that man. I'm ready to be God's man. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm ready to be God's man. Just look up at me. As soon as you do, you can look back down. Just look up at me. Praise the Lord. Men all over the room. Guys, I'm just extending my hand out, not because there's magic in my hand, but because just as a picture of what we're to be, I just pray a blessing over you right now in Jesus' name. God, I'm convinced that when we stand in the gap for our wives and children, it will spread like wildfire through our neighborhoods, through our workplaces. I believe that multiplication comes from the home as we stand and say, the most important thing I will ever accomplish on this planet is what you've called me to be as a family man. As a, as a brother, as a son, as a father, as a friend, as a husband. And I choose to stand in the gap like you stood in the gap for me and put away childish things. My love will be patient and kind. It won't envy. It suffers all things. It holds all things. Even though all the other things like faith and hope and every other thing are wonderful, God, the greatest of these is love, and that's what it looks like to put away the childish and to stand in the gap and be a man. And so, God, I pray a blessing, an encouragement. As the enemy comes to snatch away the good seed that you've put in their hearts today, I just pray for clarity of mind and that they'll stand in the gap. And now, God, we stand together as a group. We celebrate that the people getting baptized are about to walk out as soon as our song starts and we celebrate baptism today and we sing a song that is such a perfect song for today that as great as things are in this world, there's nothing like you, Lord. You're greater than all things. And 
And you are truly the covering of our lives. And so we love you and we celebrate Jesus in this place. And all of God's people said, amen. Y'all stand with us.